All right, welcome to week four of Bedroom Confessions. And um, here, you need some room? Yeah. Oh, yeah okay. All right, don't judge me. Uh, I, I was going to say, this is kind of like how it is at home, okay, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Your stuff is everywhere. Okay, good, good. Morning! Um, <laughs> this is my wife, Kim, and we're happily married. Uh, we've been happily married for 22 years, and uh, I'm just so honored to her. We're going to today, uh, her and I are going to spend some time answering some of you guys' questions. And uh, you guys gave us some doozies, and uh, it's not too late. You're welcome to... Uh, Oh, favorite son. Somebody texted in. Uh, that was not my child. Anyway, um, so I guess the question was, do we have a favorite son? So anyway, um, no. Um, but uh, we're going to continue uh, answering some of your questions. And let me just say this. Um, some, of you, some of your questions, um, and you could just feel the pain behind them. You could feel the struggle and the tension and the emotion behind them. And I just want to let you know that... Um, uh, for those, we've, I've already been praying for many of you guys. I don't know who sent them in, uh, but God knows. And uh, I believe that uh, in your pain, in your brokenness, God can meet you there. And he can do some amazing things that uh, you may not even expect. So as we go through some of these questions, some of them are very difficult. And I just want to let you know as we answer those, uh, our, our hearts go out to you. But we're not here to give you our opinion. Uh, one of the things that Kim and I want to do today is we want to be able to take Scripture and we want to be able to intersect Scripture with your questions. And that's what we're going to do today. So, cool? Yep. All right, fantastic. All right, question one uh, that you guys texted in. How early uh, should you have the birds and the bees discussion with your kids? Never. Just, just don't have that discussion. doesn't lead to anything good, right? They'll find out one day on their own or their classmates will tell them or something like that. So, <laughs> No, um, you know, this, this question really, um, I think it depends a lot on your family. I think it depends on your children. I think it depends on whether you have boys or girls. Um, but the first thing that, that we want to say about this particular question is that you want to approach it um, in a way that is very honest, in a way that is open, um, in a way that doesn't... Um, make it seem embarrassing or like, ooh, this is some secret thing that we never talk about. Um, as I grew up in my home, that's kind of the atmosphere um, surrounding intimacy and husbands and wives and what they do and birds and bees and all of that. And I kind of had an idea and I kind of heard some things at school, but um, it was just always like, I don't think we're supposed to talk about that. Um, and so finally, I think when I was, oh golly, seventh grade, eighth grade, I finally asked my parents some questions. Um, but I'm just not sure that it's something that we would have ever really discussed had I not come to them. So, um, you know, they're going to have health class at school. You know, there's going to be, you're going to get that form that comes home and you have to sign off. Do you give permission for your child to watch this video or, or see whatever? Um, but you know, the thing is, we have a privilege as parents of, of speaking with our children about these things because if we do not take that privilege of being the parent and teaching them correctly, then we take the risk of them hearing and learning incorrectly. So rather than approaching it from a place of fear or embarrassment or unsure, think of it as this is my opportunity to teach my child what is the truth in our home and what the truth of Scripture has to say. 
For us, we found that kind of that fifth grade, the summer between fifth and sixth grade, and of course we have all boys, has been a good time to approach that with our sons. Now, this is one of the areas where I totally defer to Chris. This is a man thing. We have young men. He's a man. Do the man thing. So they usually take a weekend and go away and go canoeing and do some guy stuff. And during that time, they have their discussion. And when they come back, it's just like, okay, well, there it is. So um, what would you add to that? I would just say that uh, this is not a talk so much, but I, wanna, I want this to be a conversation. Uh, I want this to be not just, you know, I give him all of the information uh, that they will ever need about love, sex, and dating. Uh, I want this to be the beginning uh, of a conversation. So uh, how, I, and it is awkward, but it, it's only going to be as awkward as you go into it. So uh, as you go into this, just let them know that there's nothing wrong with this. There's nothing wrong with this discussion. And uh, if you have any other questions, you're welcome to ta- contact me. You know, Kim just gave some great advice, and that advice really does come uh, from the Bible. And it's in Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 6 and 7. Uh, Moses is speaking uh, to the people, and he's giving us some parental advice. And this is what it says. It says, these commandments that I give you today, you are to write on your hearts and press them upon your children. Talk about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road and when you lie down and when you get up. Now, those are four different areas. When you sit at home, when you walk along the road, when you lie down and you get up, that's pretty much all, all the time. He's saying look for any teachable opportunity, any teachable moment that you can be able to take God's word and impress on them. Uh, I think kids are kind of like wet cement. And um, uh, y'all have all put your, maybe your hands in wet cement as it was getting hardened and stuff like that. We want to be able to do that to our kids. And it's not just a one-time thing. It's not just, just between the summer of 5th and 6th grade. That is a conversation that we want to continue all throughout life. So, mm-hmm. good job, babe. Yeah. Anything you want to add to that? No, nope, I okay, think we cool. got it. All right, question uh, number two. Um, uh, what are the boundaries inside of marriage? Uh, what's okay, what's not okay? And I think this person is saying, we're married, what's okay to do? And I, I'm just going to say, you guys got a license. Y'all go cray-cray, all right? Um, uh, have fun, um, exp- you know, just, I mean, uh, in, in fact, I'm, I'm going to get some <laughs> Get some Bible to back that up. Uh, but the, uh, this is 1 Corinthians 7 2. It says, Because there is so much sexual immorality, tell each, each man should have his own wife and each woman should have her own husband. And that really is a key point. But just remember, uh, you all, I mean, the boundaries is this the boundaries is it has to be in marriage and uh, you don't want to bring any third parties into that. Uh, so, in, no pornography. Uh, nothing like that. Uh, that's very, very important. Um, and uh, don't just uh, focus on what you like. Uh, one of our big ideas in this series was selfishness destroys intimacy. Um, so uh, figure out what the other person likes. And, um, and, and, and I, I talked about this in a Married Life Live a couple of weeks ago, but um, Married Life Live is a, a date night we do four times a year for all of our couples. And I encourage the, uh, the guys to be creative when it comes to romancing your spouse. To be creative. Because they want to be romanced. And, and then, ladies, you guys, uh, I, think, well, I think the exact word I said was freaky uh, when it comes to the bedroom, right? So um, and all I'm saying is that's, those are tensions, I think, that every couple struggles with. 
And um, guys are always wanting to push the limits when it comes to sex and sexuality and all that stuff. And girls, they just want to be known that they loved and they're to be honored. And there's that sense of awe. So that's what I would say. What do you, you, you anything you want to say about that? Well, I wanted to share you guys that, with you guys that... Um, the reason this iPad is up here, as you well know, is we follow notes as we go. So Chris sends me the notes for this week. Y'all should read what he put in here for me to Y'all say. Y'all shouldn't read it. I'm, I'm just going to say, li- listen to this line that he, he wrote let's, out for me to say. Let's move on. Let's okay? The Song of Solomon certainly depicts a husband and wife who verbally and physically celebrate each other. Uh, so we want to we <laughs> acknowledge, I told him, I said, that doesn't sound anything like me. Um, it doesn't sound anything like me. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, I'm not sure. <laughs> Sermons.com, is that where we got this one from? Um, but basically the idea is that there are parameters in the Bible about the subject. There are guidelines. This is not the hidden topic of the earth. Once again, I think it also depends on where have you come from in this area. I came from a very traditional, very conservative, very much you don't talk about certain things type of home. So my entire life, I was told, you don't, you don't, you don't, you don't. And then on December the 11th of 1993, I said, I do. And all of a sudden it was supposed to be, you do, you do, you do, you do. And for me, I know, right? See that? That right there. And, and so for me, it was a really difficult transition because all of a sudden it was like, oh gosh, is this supposed to be like television? Is this supposed to be like romance novels? Um, and so I think it takes a while to find your way. And mm-hmm. that's what I want to say. Absolutely. It is a journey. It is a process. Your love will grow and change in your relationship, in your physical relationship, in your communication. All of that fits in together. You know, guys can pretty much compartmentalize and focus on the intimate act. Women, we're onions without the smell. Um, We have layer after layer after layer. Everything affects everything. So um, inside of marriage, it's okay. But just remember and try to think about, even though my spouse does this, I may need to err on this side or this side. Just keep one another in mind. Mm -hmm. That's good. Okay? Yeah, that's good. Okay. That's good. Um, question number three we got was, what are the boundaries outside of marriage? Um, and a lot of times we hear stuff like that, you know, what if we really love each other? Uh, what do you think about living together um, before marriage? And uh, I would just say, say this, uh, it is very consistent in both the Old Testament and in the New Testament uh, that there's commands to avoid uh, sexual relations outside of marriage, that God has created sex as a gift to be opened inside the confines of marriage, and it's a marriage between one husband and one wife, and it's just that it's that simple. But many times we kind of we complicate it so much, and 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 I'll say this: how we complicate it is when when you add sex before marriage, uh, it just it complicates the entire process. Um, think about it this way. And once you get married, you're supposed to be committed to one man, one woman, and you're supposed to say, you're supposed to I do to them and no to everybody else. But how are you able to do that when before you were married, you couldn't say no and you couldn't control your urges then? It's a, it really does become a trust issue. It becomes a trust issue um, when it comes to how uh, you compare uh, your spouse to other people that maybe you have slept with. And uh, there are a lot of things that Kim and I have done really poorly, I should say. Um, our first year of marriage was hell. It was really awful. Um, and it really... the. <laughs> Y'all know this, and you know this. Don't even say that. Don't even look at me like that. Whatever. Whatever. It was an awful year, all right? 
And I would say even maybe even the first four years, we struck. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Four years? Really? Wow. I'm sorry, y'all. I'm so sorry. Four. Wow, we got to talk in between services. I got to catch up on some stuff. You're having a good time. I'm just saying. Anyway, I'm just saying, when you think about it, our first four years of marriage, we, 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 uh, you and I had never slept with anyone before we got married. Right. So all of the whole physical stuff was new. Right. So we were trying to figure out, and we thought, you know, there would be birds singing right. and Angels, bands playing. Clouds absolutely. Opening, right. And, yeah. and that, and that right. didn't happen. It yeah. was like, how do you, and, you know, we're not right. going to go into no, all that. Let's anyway, not. but uh, th- then there was the whole money, you know, trying to figure out how we're going to. Uh, money was bad. Money was an was issue, bad. right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I was uh, I was working and going to school. You were working full time, and we just had a hard time connecting. We didn't have any kids, praise God, in, in, in during those four years, four or five years. But we just struggled through this. That's my whole point. Is it was just trying to get to know each other's idiosyncrasies, and all of us had them. We had some high points in there too. We though. had some great I mean, times. Yeah, we really did. Yeah, that time uh, we, that I drew a chart about where everything should go in the refrigerator <laughs> and put it on the outside so that he would know exactly where the tea pitcher should be and and the man. It was good, y'all. It was so good. I, it, it was. I was a high point for me. Did you enjoy that? I did not. Um, <laughs> but. Uh, but it's, it's really, I mean, Kim and I, in a lot of ways, we are total opposites of one another, uh, except when it comes to Jesus and music. Um, and, uh, and one of the things, we just, we struggled getting along. And we loved one another, but we just, it was just, it was a struggle. And uh, I can tell you today, 22 years later, after going through a lot of those struggles, I don't feel like we struggle as much anymore. Do you? The past three years have just been horrible. <laughs> She's joking. <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Just thought I'd see what you'd do. Anyway, next. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Hey, uh, uh, Tucker, we're definitely taking an 11 o'clock service <laughs> to put on the podcast. Anyway, um, uh, all right. So um, it is, it's the whole thing. What, what if we really love one another? And I want to say you have to be careful with that. I mean, that, that is such a slippery slope. Because love, as we all know, is an emotion that changes from minute to minute. I mean, I can really love something. I can use love in a lot of ways. So, you know, what I, what I love today, I may not love tomorrow, depending on what happens in that circumstance or in that relationship. So, so really watch out for that. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I, I try to think of it, and I explained it to uh, Walt, our oldest son, as when you, when you see someone that you think that you might like to get to know or that you think a girl is pretty— you know, try to picture it like when you would go to your grandmother's house and there was this beautiful vase or something very precious to her that was put up. It wasn't something that you touched. It wasn't something that you carried around the house. It was just something to look at. It was beautiful. It was worthy of admiration. It had a place of honor. And that's how we want to view our relationships as we get started. And marriage is certainly one of those. It's not something we're going to take down and throw it around and toss it and, you know, oh, check it out. and just. It's something that's special and reserved. And there's a time and a moment when we will get to see that, when we will get to see what it's all about. About. But until then, it's, it's to be honored. It's to be separate and, and held apart. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely. And even Hebrews, I think it's Hebrews chapter 13, talks about honoring marriage. So, yes. again, absolutely. So, um, all right, uh, question number four. How honest should I be in my marriage about my needs, about my feelings, about my past indiscretions, etc.? Mm-hmm. I think honesty is so very amazingly, hugely important. 
The lack of honesty breeds mistrust. The lack of honesty hinders communication. The lack of honesty causes questions. So before you ever get to a point where you're about to say, I do, be sure that you've cleaned out your closet. Be sure that you've taken the time to sit down and have the honest, face-to-face, vulnerable, this is going to kill me, Um, there are some things in my life that I'm not proud of that you need to know. Um, Have that conversation. Be real and honest beforehand. You don't want any ghost Mm. in the closet. Mm. Um, And sometimes that means that an image that a person may have of you may change. And that may be a good thing or it may be a not-so-good thing. But have it on the front side because you don't want to live with that regret. And when you get to the point where you say, I do, you don't want to have to get in the car on the way to the honeymoon and think, now should I tell her that? Now should I mention this to him? Our honesty is what helps build that bridge of communication and helps keep things open and real and vulnerable. Colossians chapter 3 verse 9 says, do not lie to each other. Uh, since you have taken your old self, uh, uh, taken a part of your old self with its practices. And again, I think that's exactly right. You want to be real with one another. You know, a lot of times, think about it. The reason why you got married is so that somebody could know you, and you can know somebody else. And there's going to become a, a some point in your marriage where you're going to say, okay, are, are they really going to know the real me, or are they going to know the image that I portray? It's the same way when it comes to friendships. There's that risk. Am I going to really share with them the real me, or am I just going to share the image that I want people to mm-hmm. think of me? Mm-hmm. And that is a, uh, that's a huge one. Uh, Proverbs 10, 9 says this, Whoever walks with integrity walks securely, but whoever takes crooked paths will be found out. Mm-hmm. Wow. Um, so uh, those secrets, if you don't or aren't honest with them up front, they will ooze out. James five sixteen says, Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. Mm. Let's, I mean, we don't have to kid each other in this room. None of us is perfect. And the, and the minute that we try to hold up a perfect facade, I mean, there again, we're not perfect. Mm-hmm. So um, if you're going to invest and live with this person for the rest of your life, you want to be sure that you've told them that the first four years of your marriage were really bad. I love you. I'm just kidding you. <laughs> uh, you, you want, sorry, that didn't, that didn't go over well at all. I'm sorry. Um, but you want to be sure that, that you're going to be honest because um, you don't just want to cohabit. You don't just want to dwell together. You want to live. You want to do life together. You want to grow in each other and that relationship. And and, and you brought up a good point. I mean, you don't want to cohabit. So many times couples think, well, because we're not fighting, that means everything's okay. And I would probably say that probably means that everything's probably not okay because you're human, uh, the other person's human, and uh, y'all are going to naturally get on one another's nerves. Uh, so to just cohabit means you're kind of living, you're kind of like a parallel railroad lines that never intersect. Uh, and that's never good. Um, so just because there's conflict in your marriage uh, doesn't mean you have a bad marriage. It just means you guys are still working on uh, getting to know one another and becoming more like Christ. So anyway, uh, question number five. Uh, I am really tired at the end of the day. How do, we, how do I make space for intimacy? And I'm going to probably let my wife answer this one because uh, guys, I mean, we don't have this issue, do we? I mean, usually we're like, Every seven seconds, ding, you know, we're ready. Uh, So would you like to talk about this? Well, I think there's a difference between intimacy and sexual activity. Let me just say that. 
at least for me there is. Um, <clears throat> intimacy to me is when I feel like you and I have connected in our minds and in our hearts. Mm-hmm. When I can talk to you about my day or about a situation and you've listened and you've talked back. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not just me. me, 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 me. Um, that, by the way, that was Beaker on the Muppets. Anyway, so, um, so for me, that's part of that difference um, to establish intimacy. Um, are there times when it's just going to be like, oh, let, yeah, let's get physical? Mm-hmm. Yes, there are going to be those times, yes. Um, but overall, I think that, I'm sorry. I no, think no, that, <laughs> I'm just thinking, does anybody ever heard of that song? Olivia Newton-John, let's give yeah. it up. Let's give it up. There we go. Thank you. I was thinking, let's Marvin Gaye and get it on. That's what I was thinking. But anyway, you continue. So, when yeah. I get that feeling, I need <laughs> sexual heat. Okay, keep on going. Yeah. All right. music, music and Jesus, people. Music <laughs> and Jesus. That's all we got going on up here. <laughs> um, so, man, can I, just, can I just say this? You know, even though when you get married, two become one, that is very, very true. Um, but it does not mean that your wife is your 24-hour on-call physical satisfier. I know. <laughs> I know. But let's, but let's flip it around on that because, because women, it also doesn't mean that your husband is your 24-hour snap my fingers, do what I say, little guy. You know, it goes both ways. And we, we, you know, sometimes we get into these unrealistic expectations of one another. An expectation is a desire that has not been met. And so we have these desires in our relationships, but then when they go unmet, it's like, oh, well, you let me down here. Oh, well, you haven't done this for me. Oh, what have you done for me lately? And then what we've done is we've become selfish. We've become self-centered. Instead of looking toward the needs of our spouse, we're focusing on ourselves. And one of the things we talked about in this series is selfishness destroys intimacy. So, so guys, just a tip. Give us a minute to switch gears. Okay? So like for us, real example from our home. Usually when I come upstairs at night, I've just finished cleaning the kitchen and I've put a load of laundry in the wash and I've taken one out of the dryer and I've folded it up and I've tried to get some things ready for in the morning and I come upstairs and Chris like, wah, 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 wah. and the candles are lit and he's got on his silky pajamas and, um, you know, he's doing his thing and I just look at him and I'm like, man, I am never going to get through with the laundry. And did I mention to you that I hate cooking? And he's like, hey, pretty lady. And I'm just like, and do you know that the garage door is still not working right? And if that stove messes up one more time, and he's like, hey, love. You know, I mean, we're just like this. We're not in the same place. So you've got to take a few minutes, make sure you're connected, and then let the process begin. Would that be a fair mm-hmm. way to Absolutely. say that? Okay. Absolutely. Right. Absolutely. Cool. That's um, we got a, a question, another one. When you are pregnant and feeling sick or in pain, how could you possibly be intimate with your husband? Some things you just can't force, no matter how guilty you feel. Uh, I've never been pregnant, so I'm going to let you uh, I'll let you answer this one. So, well, um, yeah. Um, it, dur- okay, give me a second. <laughs> Um, during my, our first uh, pregnancy, which was with Walt, our oldest son, um, I had a few little issues at the beginning and um, caused us not to be very physically intimate and really throughout the whole process because once we had that issue at the beginning, I kind of got scared 
And I was like, oh gosh, what if something happens? And I think Chris kind of felt my fear in that. So throughout that entire pregnancy, it was that kind of thing of like, oh, we're so scared. This is the first time we've been through this. What happens if? Um, so we've, we've walked that road. Um, and I want to say to your husband, be, be gracious and compassionate. I mean, your wife is growing a human for crying out loud. Uh, I'm sorry. You won't ever do that. Um, so but what more is there? I mean, I'm sorry. It's just oh the truth. Goodness. I mean, who can, what do you say to that? <laughs> anyway, uh, and Chris has written here that love keeps no record of wrongs. Oh, my gosh. And <laughs> I'm so sorry, babe. No, you're good. It's you're just true. Good. It's true. I've it, never grown human. So you have it. And anyway, so love keeps no record of wrong. So it's, I mean, and really is that wrong? I mean, it's like, are you being wrong if you're having issues while you're pregnant? I don't think it's right or wrong. It's just the way things are. So just be compassionate. Be understanding. Um, Love lets go of mistakes. Love doesn't make a list of how many times we didn't get to have intimate relations. Love doesn't, that's not it. Try to focus on other areas. If you can't have physical intimacy, then find other ways. Talk a lot more. Ask each other questions of things that you might have forgotten. What's your favorite color? What's your favorite meal? What's, you know, find something new to do together. Find other ways to grow and cultivate your relationship. And I would just say about this, uh, there's tension in the relationship. The best thing you can do is just talk about it. You know, talk about it. Um, It's not going to be a fun conversation. Not all conversations are fun. But don't let bitterness grow. There's a, a verse in Hebrews chapter 10 that talks about um, uh, if bitterness grows, it's going to grow up and, and strangle really those emotions. And I just would encourage you uh, to don't, uh, don't let it go without talking about it. So that's, mm-hmm. that's good, baby. Mm-hmm. That's good. Uh, if love keeps no record of wrongs, why does one significant other always bring up what you have done wrong? And uh, Kim quoted, just quoted this verse, but um, there's a couple. Proverbs 10, 12 said, says, Hatred stirs up conflict, but love covers all wrongs. Uh, Proverbs 17, 9 says, Love forgets mistakes. Nagging about them parts the best of friends. Um, so I would just uh, let, let, don't always bring it up. Um, don't bring it up. You know, some people say you need to forgive and forget. Well, that's great, but you really can't forget. Um, uh, you can forgive and choose not to bring it up. And that's what you do. Um, I quoted this uh, uh, Garth Brooks, Brooks song last week, but you know, you, you uh, bury the hatchet, but you leave the handle sticking out. Um, just go ahead and bury the handle. Don't bring it up again. Uh, because every time you do, uh, it, uh, it, par- it can part the best of friends and part the best of marriages. Anything you want to add on that? Okay, you want to read the next question? As a single woman, when people say never settle, um, is that the right thing to do? What does it mean to never settle for a man? Um, will never settling mean that I will forever be single? Wow, that's a big question. Um, I'm so glad that I'm not... <coughs> A single woman in today's um, technology-geared, social media-driven, online dating scene. I cannot imagine how that has changed things. I didn't date very well when I could date, so I can't imagine doing it now through this and not even seeing a person, and I just can't imagine how that complicates things. And also, what used to be, as far as dating and meeting guys, 
um, was a very local thing. You know, if you were in college or if you were involved in a church or if you played sports, you know, you kind of, you had people in groups in your community. And that's pretty much where you were going to meet and marry the person. But, but this just opens up the whole wide world. I mean, this just takes things to a new level. So I can only imagine how trust and intimacy and really getting to know someone are affected by that. You know, Scripture talks about the characteristics that we are to look for in a spouse um, and that we're supposed to have as Christians. So the first thing that I want to say is, number one, do not compromise. Find a believer. Find a Christian. You do not want to be unequally paired with someone. The thought of, well, maybe I can share my faith and maybe they'll come along. Maybe. Maybe not. Well, well maybe, maybe, if I just, maybe if I just, you know, talk about Jesus and invite him to church, maybe they'll just come where I am. Maybe. Maybe not. And then if not, you're left with the consequence of choosing someone to be in a relationship that didn't match you from the beginning. To me, that's settling. So if that's important to you, and being a Christian is important to you, and living a Christian life is important to you, then start with that standard. And from there, number one, the Lord will honor you for your obedience. And number two, he will make it clear. But if you start on unequal footing, then you're constantly guessing, and you're constantly hoping for that person to be something that they're not. So you've already settled before you've ever even started the relationship. So put yourself on as equal ground as possible. And from there you will learn and find your way. But the biggest area to never settle is, does this person believe in and have a relationship with Jesus Christ? You start there, so many other things will fall into place. That's good. That's good. Uh, next question. Uh, if you watch a, por- a pornographic video or sexual movie such as Magic Mike and fantasize your spouse doing those actions, not the person in the film, is that still considered adultery? Well, um, let me answer that this way. Uh, Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 27. The law of Moses says you shall not commit adultery, but I say anyone who ever looks at a woman with lust in his eye has already committed adultery with her in his heart. If your eye, even if it's your best eye, causes you to lust, gouge it out and throw it away. It is better for part of you to be destroyed than for all of you to be cast into hell. And if your hand, even your right hand, causes you to sin, cut it off and throw it away. Better to find yourself, uh, better that than find yourself in hell. And I guess I would just answer the question is, Jesus, this is very interesting, the Old Testament law found in the Ten Commandments and in the rest of the uh, Old Covenant that's found in the first 39 books that's in the Bible. God, uh, God clearly says, okay, I want you to don't, you know, don't commit adultery, um, don't take the Lord's name in vain, um, uh, don't uh, steal, uh, don't bear false witness, don't lie, all of these things. And then Jesus shows up, and he doesn't dumb down the laws, he actually raises the bar even more. He says, okay, I know you said you shouldn't commit adultery, but I'm telling you, if you've looked at a person with lust in your heart, it's already done. He says, you know what, the, the Ten Commandments say don't, don't kill anyone, but if you look at somebody with anger in your heart, you've already killed them. Um, it's like Jesus says, okay, you think you're doing good, 
and he raises the bar. And the reason why he did that is he wanted everybody to know that all of us have fallen short. All of us are sinners. So I guess my answer to that question is this, is if you are watching those things and then you're trying to substitute your husband's face or body or whatever that looks like, um, you're really starting at a bad place already from the get-go because you're, right, you're setting some expectations that maybe he can't uh, match uh, and you're already pouring garbage in. So, And that's never going to lead to intimacy. Did you hear what I'm saying? It's never going to lead to intimacy. Uh, there's not one sin that's found in the Bible that leads to life. Every one of them lead to death. And uh, pornography and sexual immorality, it's never going to help the relationship. It's only going to harm your ability to receive and to give intimacy. So anything you want to add on that? Uh, from a female standpoint, the thing I want to say for men concerning that is I know that um, as women, we tend to compare ourselves a lot to other women. So the idea that I'm being compared to someone that's in a movie or in a magazine, how can I ever live up to that? And, the, and it's, it's both ways. How can, how can we ever live up to a standard of someone who's in a movie when the lighting is perfect and the, you know, there's, um, there's been Photoshop done in a magazine or there's been, you know, it's, it's just, it's not real. And I think to focus on the realness of where you are and, and with the person that you're with in your relationship in all ways is just such an important factor to think about. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, next question. What should I do uh, if I, am mar I married my husband too fast into our relationship? I don't feel like I was ever in love with him, but more of the idea of being married. Years later, I'm still feeling I've made the wrong decision to rush into marriage, and physically, I can't stand when he tries to touch me. Um, gosh, you can definitely feel the pain behind this question. I guess the thing, I, I, we're going to answer this, but I would just encourage you to, to both find some help, find some counseling, so that you can be able to unpack that more. Because I tell you, uh, that last line, you know, I don't even like it when he touches me. I think there's some other things there. Uh, that this question is not really telling me. But uh, what should you do if you married your husband too fast? Uh, I would just say this. Um, uh, don't, don't, don't pull the ejection cord yet. Uh, don't pull the rip cord, or I'm, I'm mixing my metaphors. What I'm saying is don't get out of marriage yet. Um, stick into that. Um, it's what we talked about last week, that so many times when we want out, um, that many times never brings happiness. It only complicates matters. And again, we've seen that. I've done so many counseling, uh, so much counseling with couples in our church who've um, all four, uh, you know, uh, this person was married to this person, who was married to this person, and it was just, and it's just like, it's like a knotted ball of yarn. And with child support and what do you do with the kids and, and finances, and it's just, it just gets really difficult really quickly. And if you're, you've been divorced, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Um, so I guess my encouragement is for both of you uh, to be able to go to counseling together so that you can be able to work on some of these issues uh, together because there's, I think there's some more there that really we don't have enough time to be able to, to answer. Um, and I don't have enough information. So, uh, What about couples that have divorced and now are in a better second marriage? Um, I would simply say this. Um, uh, I don't think you should get out of your second marriage to try to go back to your first marriage. Um, uh, you got married, you're in that second marriage, you, stay, you stick with the one that you're with right now, and you make that relationship good. 
Uh, that's a great, great question. And some of you, you know exactly, again, the tension in that because uh, you're on your second marriage and you're like, well, should I go back? Uh, what you do is you confess the sin that you need to confess to God and, um, and then you move forward. And hear me, all of us have sinned. All of us have sinned. And when it comes to relationships, there's never, ever black and white. Uh, there's, uh, this person did this wrong, and I did this wrong, and she did this. And just own your part of it and move forward. So anything you want to add on that, babe? Uh, you know, there are so many circumstances that can in, in, be involved in divorce. Um, and so when, when you are in the opportunity and, and God has brought the opportunity for you to remarry, um, and I think this one is saying that the second marriage is better than the first marriage. I think what Chris said is true. Make, you know, make sure that you're at peace with that first relationship, um, but then also make sure that you're really working hard to make that second marriage the example the, of what the Bible says it should be, um, and that you, for all the things that you may regret about the first relationship, um, really pour in and make a commitment to keep that second marriage strong. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. You want to go ahead and do the next question? Um, so what do you do? Um, I don't have my glasses on, honey. Sorry. Uh, so what do you do when you want to quit due to infidelity and past abuse? Mm-hmm. It has caused me to be all of those things love shouldn't be. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm going to go ahead and add this next question in as well. What do you do if your husband is a sex addict who has committed adultery multiple times and participa- participated in prostitution? Um, it's, both of it's infidelity. What do you do? Um, well, I'll tell you this. Uh, I believe that God, um, the pain of uh, broken vows in marriage is a, is a very real one. In fact, uh, it's one of the two reasons that Jesus gives uh, for divorce. So um, I don't want to just gloss over this and say, you know, well, if you love Jesus, then you know, you're going to stick it out. Um, uh, there is real pain there. I will say this. God does give you that out when it comes for divorce. But every time I, somebody I've been counseling with, I never counsel people towards divorce. And here's the reason why. is because uh, it says so clearly in the scriptures that that's not God's first option. That's not what he wants. And with God, all things are possible, that reconciliation can happen. So I guess um, the, the question I would ask is, is, this, is your spouse continuing breaking and doing these things? And if, and if he or she is, then there has to be consequences. It doesn't have to just be divorce. But they may need to, they may need to, may need to leave the home for a while. There may, may need to be a separation. In fact, even the Bible talks about that. Um, so that he can work on his stuff, you can work on your stuff, and then you can come back and work on it together. But to just think that you only, you only got two options, to stick with him or stick with her while uh, him or her goes out and sows his wild oats or divorce. Uh, there are more options than that. And again, I think getting a biblical, wise counsel, uh, somebody could be able to speak God's word into you would be very, very, very helpful. So anything you want to add to that? All right. Um, I am in an interfaith relationship. What is the best ma- way to maintain the integrity of our relationship without allowing the differences of our faith to interfere? And I think uh, Kim answered this one very, very clearly. If you're in an interfaith relationship, you need to get out. Thanks for coming to One Church. Okay? Um, you, uh, you're, you trying to missionary date them is not going to work. It just isn't. So, um, you know, this, and I'm going to read what Kim quoted a few minutes ago, 2 Corinthians 6.14. Don't be teamed up with those who do not love the Lord. 
For what do the people of God have in common with the people of sin? How can light live with darkness? And what harmony can there be between Christ and not Christ? How can a Christian be a partner with one who does not believe? That's a great, great question, Paul. Because what's going to happen is you're going to fall in love with him because, you again, emotions are just that. They're emotions. And you are going to be going one path your entire life, and he's going to be going another path. So my encouragement to you, if, if you think the only person you can date is somebody who does not know Christ, um, then date Jesus. And uh, I promise you, um, you will be better off even being single uh, than doing what you're already doing. So again, I'm sorry, but I, that's just how I think. got another uh, question. I think this is the last one. Um, what do you do if you are a victim of sexual molestation as a child? And sometimes with your spouse, you have flashbacks. Wow. Um, I, I would, you want to answer this one? You want, me, you want me to do this one? Well, I think there again, as Chris has mentioned before, I think counseling is going to be the biggest key in this one. Um, you know, we can't, once again, as we've said, you can forgive, you can, you can move on, but forgetting things like that, that are very traumatic and very hard and very difficult, that's, I mean, there's nothing easy about that. Mm-hmm. Um, and, um, you know, it's not your spouse's fault, um, the things that happened to you when you were younger. Um, I think good communication with your spouse to be sure that um, he or she understands where you're coming from in that situation, but also a commitment to work through that and to um, try to find professional help in knowing the best way to deal with that. I would say pray about it, mm-hmm. um, you know, I believe that when the Lord brings us together in marriage, y'all, he's for us. He is for us. He is for our marriages. He's for our homes. He created them. So sometimes I think we, as we struggle through things in our marriage and in our life, it might feel like, you know, does, does God just really have it out for us? Or is he just trying to get us back for something? Or has he forgotten? No, he hasn't forgotten. The heart of God for husband and wife is marriage and home. Mm. And so if you just commit to pray about that together, if you commit to call upon God, you know, sometimes it's, it's perfectly fine for us to remind the Lord of what he's already told us in his word. It's perfectly fine for us to say, Lord, I know that your desire is that we have a strong relationship, that we have good communication, that we are able to share with one another honesty, uh, with the honesty and with intimacy in all areas. And so I ask you, because this is what you've said in your word and because this is what scripture makes clear, I ask you to make that real in my life. I ask you to make it real in our marriage. But in order to do that, you've got to know the word. You've got to be in it. And you've got to be committed to it as husband and wife together. But don't be afraid to remind the Lord what he has promised. Mm -hmm. Don't be afraid to call out and say, this is your standard. So if this is your standard, please put us on it. Please heal me from the past. You are the God who heals. You are the God who sees. You are the God who knows. And so I cry out to you and I ask, please help in this situation. You can ask, help me to forget Protect my mind, protect my heart, protect my emotions. And we'll certainly be praying for you as Absolutely. well. Absolutely. Uh, a good friend of mine, Jared, just uh, texted me a link to a book. Um, it's called The Wounded Heart, Hope for Adult Victims of Childhood Sexual Ab- Abuse. It is by Dr. Dan B. Allender. 
and he says this is a fantastic resource uh, for those who have struggled with child molestation. So um, let me an- ask one more, uh, answer one more question. Um, somebody uh, asked this one, the interfaith relationship question. What if you're not just dating? What if you're already married? Um, all right, let's pray and let's... Uh, I'm just done. Well, I, w- I would simply say this. Um, the Bible actually addresses this. Um, it addresses it in uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 6 and, and chapter 7. But uh, it talks about that you are to stay committed in the relationship. If you're the Christian, you are to stay committed in the relationship because uh, you sanctify the relationship. You make holy that relationship, that you bring Jesus into that home. Uh, and then it, it, Paul continues this, that uh, if the other person wants to leave, it's okay. You let them leave. Um, but uh, you stick it out because they're going to be the Jesus that you see. First Corinthians, excuse me, First Peter chapter 2. Um, uh, I'm going to say verse, uh, yeah, chapter 2. Let me go to that. I'm going to read this, and this is where we'll close. Um, two, no, it's not 2. Here it is. First Peter chapter 3 says this, uh, verse 1. Wives, in the same way, submit yourselves to your own husbands so that if any of them do not believe, do not believe the word, they may be won over without words by the behavior of their wives. Wow. So that you can be able to see Jesus in your spouse. So um, that would be, uh, uh, I think, what God would have to say about that. And you know this, that it's, it's going to be difficult. And uh, I would encourage you to get into a small group because there are a lot of other people out there here at One Church who know exactly what you're going through. Uh, And you keep on inviting them to church. You keep on praying for them. Not nagging them, but praying for them. Uh, Kim and I would like to pray for you guys, and then I I think the band's going to be coming back out. So uh, know this, that it's okay to have questions about these things. Uh, I think the church should be the safest place to ask some of these difficult questions. And thank you so much for asking these questions uh, of us today. Lord, we love you. And I thank you so much, Lord, for marriage. I pray for the families and the relationships that are represented here today uh, in this body. Lord, I pray that you would make our marriages strong. Lord, that you would keep uh, our kids away from things they don't need to be seeing. Lord, that you would allow us to be able to parent them and not just put our heads in the sand, but, Lord, that we would be able to have conversations with them about difficult issues because, Lord, you call us to do that. Lord, I pray uh, for all the men in here today, Lord, that we would be real men uh, who would just be able to honor uh, our wives, God, that we would be able to put them first uh, just below Jesus. Uh, Lord, that they would be the second in our lives, Lord. And Lord, that we would put you first, that we would follow you. And that we would uh, allow you uh, to be our our Lord and and call the shots or be our boss, God. Lord, I pray for the women in here today, God. I pray, Lord, uh, just as they uh, help uh, love and honor their husbands and respect them, God. I pray, Lord, that you would just be able to help them. And their, their husbands, when we don't measure up, God, I pray, Lord, that you would be able to fill in the gaps. Uh, Lord, so that uh, uh, no bitterness would grow up, um, but Lord, that we would just be able to uh, grow closer, not only to you, Jesus Christ, but to one another. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.